Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Saladcast. For this week, we're going to be talking about Shrewsbury Town 2, York City 1. And Chris, I asked you to come on the podcast in the week. I was hoping that we're going to score some goals, hoping we're going to get a win. And here we go. We delivered. Yeah, I think this is what my third appearance on the pod this season. And finally, I get to talk about a win. So that's nice. Yeah, brilliant. Much appreciated. And uh, thanks for having me back again. Cheers, Chris. Thanks for coming on the pod. And Callum, thanks for joining us on the podcast this week. It's been a while since we had since we had you on. It's been too long, to be honest. Um, how are you doing, mate? Welcome back on. Thanks a lot, mate. Really appreciate being on the pod. Uh, yeah, absolutely fine. Um, obviously, still in the struggle city at the moment with the uh, Town Football Club, but it's all going all right at the moment. So really happy to come back and chat about it. Yeah, so, so um, we all sat together and watched this game from Block 17. It was, yeah, interesting first half, let's say. Um, second half, not so good, but yeah, plenty of things to get through. And, and I thought, given the status of the game and all the chances we missed, I thought it may be a good time to have a bit of a golf and a bit of a tangent talking about strikers. So the agenda today is talk about the York City game and then go on and have a bit of a chat about strikers um, and, and I guess kind of lack of goals and lack of chances and things like that. So yeah, let's let's jump right into it. <laughs> As I said in the intro, Shrewsbury Town 2, York City 1. Goals came after two minutes and then in extra time in the first half um, for Shrewsbury. York City scored in the first half as well to make it 2-1. No goals in the second half. So coming into the game, interesting little stat. York had conceded in the last five games, which obviously gave Shrewsbury Town fans a bit of hope. In terms of attendance, very low, um, as you would expect, playing a non-league side in the first round of the FA Cup. And 3,800 um, with 500 fans from York. Um, Chris, good good number for York. Um, and to be fair, their fans made quite a lot of noise. Yeah, they're a football league club, really, aren't they? Historically, or certainly have been for many, many years, even though they've been in non-league for a while now. They're certainly a team I've seen Shrewsbury play many times through the 90s and early 2000s. And uh, yeah, they've still got that fan base. And you could see that they brought, they came in large numbers. It was a big day out for them because they have been, you know, languishing as low as Conference North in recent years. And finally back up in the Conference National again this year, or sorry, the National League, as I'm supposed to call it, sorry. But yeah, a, a decent club, aren't they? And you could see that in their fan base. I, I like York City. I always have. It's a nice place to go, York. And I'd be very happy to see them back in the Football League one day. Yeah, I've I've been to see Shrewsbury play York in the league. Yeah, I was looking at the the history. Yeah, we played them a lot, didn't we? Um, in the at the start of the century, and quite a lot of games in in the league together. And actually, this win means that now we've won the last three games against York. Overall, it's something like we've won uh, we've won more games against York, which is a. Uh, sometimes I look at those numbers, and normally we're on the negative side. So it's nice to see it in the positive side. So coming into the game, um, as we expected, um, Steve Cottrell. Um, prioritised this game, played a strong side. And, and what was the starting lineup, Callum? So, uh, ever present Marco Barossi in goal, um, Matt Pennington, Che Dunkley, and John Flanagan as the back three. And then uh, more right wing back, Winchester, Bayliss, and Lee as a middle three. Shipley left wing back, and then Pike in for Street and Sadie up top. A um, little bit of an interesting. Uh, rotation in terms of um, more into right wing back. Um, I heard Steve Cottrell in pre pre match uh, talk about more playing there for Hearts, and it might be a position he'd like to see him in more. 
which is interesting considering that um, you know he came to the club and and came in sort of in centre mid, and everyone was kind of expecting him to be a centre half. But um, Cottrell's also said previously that he he wanted to play him more in centre mid, and now obviously. You know, since Winchester's come in, we've he's kind of now pushed out to right wing back, maybe to cover um, the ever present injury to Bennett, unfortunately, which is why he was rested. Um, and it's trying to develop him in a position which I personally, I uh, don't know about you two, but I personally didn't think he looked really comfortable in. Um, didn't didn't overly impress me, but uh, I think he's you know, I think he's trying to fit him into the squad at the moment. I, I think he's struggling really, but, um, you know, Steve says he's a very important player in the, in the squad this season. So he's obviously got some plans for him, but uh, not convinced me so far. Yeah, it was an odd one, wasn't it, really, seeing more out at right wing back. He's a left-footed centre-back, historically. We've seen him, as we've said, in attacking in defensive midfield this season. But to see him, if, if you told me he was going to play right wing back, I, I just wouldn't have believed that. I could imagine him on the left, I suppose. But there were a number of times when you saw him going down the right-hand side and he was checking, trying to get the ball onto his left foot. I don't remember him putting in one decent cross all game. So it, it's not a position that I can understand. But, you know, Cottrell obviously knows a lot more than me, sees them in training. And if you are going to try out something unusual and something about a bit left field, I suppose an FA Cup game against a side from two divisions below you isn't a bad place because there's probably a bit more room for mistakes in there. So was more brilliant on Saturday? Absolutely not. But was he punished for the mistakes he made? Well, no, not really, to be honest. So probably if you're going to have a look at him, not the worst thing in the world. I wouldn't be delighted to see him play there more often. Even with Bennett injured, you'd think we've got other options. You know, uh, we've talked about Rekiel Pike a lot on this podcast over the over the last two or three years, and there's a player who's played right wing back a few times. And he's probably a more natural fit in that position, you'd think, than more. So I'd have probably preferred to see somebody like him out there uh, if Elliot Bennett wasn't able to start. So an odd one for me, but yeah, I suppose, like I say, if the manager's going to experiment against a National League side, is maybe the day to do it. I thought it was a little bit of um, a strategic play there, a little bit of tactics from the manager to say that he played there in a previous game. Um, you know, you t- you know, you could say that um, I don't know. You know, John Terry played in goal once. He's never for a goalkeeper. It's not really doesn't really work that way, does it? Is not a right wing back. He's a he's good, de- decent player. Plays all right, I think, in cent- in central defence. Not so so sure about central field. He is not a, a wing back. He's playing there, I think, because of we've got a lot of injuries. We've got two good players to play right wing back. You know, with our budget in this division and our kind of strategy to go for quality over quantity, which I totally agree with. Sometimes you just you're going to be really unfortunate. We've got two players at injured, um, and he's playing in there. I don't think it's uh, I don't think he wants to play in there. And I think I have to agree with you, Chris. I think I'd rather actually see Pike play there, um, who who's, who's quite athletic and get up and down. Um, yeah, I think it's a bit of a stopgap. I feel a bit sorry for Moore playing there in some ways. Um, but yeah, he, he did all right. And I don't think he really did anything wrong, but he ain't a wing back. I think you do wonder where we'd be at if, if you know, George Nurse and DaCosta are fit from the start of the season and all the way through the first half of the season. Because I think there's so many, it's, it's a thankless role wing back. It's an absolutely thankless role. And you've got to play essentially the whole length of the pitch most of the game. It's, it's physically 
you know, really enduring and more seems to me like a, you know, a physically aggressive sort of player, but he seems maybe more centrally minded, obviously Cottrell's thinking centre mid or centre half. And, you know, if, just imagine if we had De Costa, you know, right wing back fully fit. And I think, you know, Shipley's not in his natural position at the moment either, but, you know, he seems to have taken to it okay. Maybe not on the defensive side, but certainly on the attacking side from a wing back perspective, he's been fantastic. But, you know, you just got to wonder these players, you know, in the positions having to having to have so many positions you know that they need to play in this season to to, to fulfill our shortfalls they're going to have to they're going to have to start adapting you see lee at the moment you wouldn't think lee he would be one of our center mid stars at the moment but but he is and i think that's going to be a challenge for the rest of the season and unless anything happens in january yeah i'd agree um it's it's interesting, obviously, that the experiment of playing Leahy in central midfield is one I think works really well, and he's, he's adapted himself there. I don't think it always works. I don't think Pike at right wing back is a, a great choice long term. And yeah, it's you know we have got quite a few injuries at the moment, which is probably worth discussing. So Bennett has come back from injury, didn't play um, in right wing back. Um, interesting view you had, Callum, at the game. Why that? We'll come on to that in a second. And then obviously O'Brien's still out, DaCosta's out, Nurse is out, um, Danny Doe is a doubt out at the moment. Um, so a squad of our size, that's a lot of um, first-team players who are injured. Um, so it does mean we're down to the bare bones. And then in this game, Winchester went off injured, who I think has been excellent. Um, so, yeah, you got a bit of a theory, Callum, at the game, why you thought that um, Bennett didn't come up right wing back? Yeah, I just, I, I you know, I, I feel quite strongly about the wing back role. It's, it's, it's quite, it's a very, you know, it's a very tiring, aggressive role. And in my opinion, I think, in terms of his injury, you know, which is clearly on and off at the moment, he'd said at the start of the game, Steve Cottrell, that he was, you know, 50-50. And even if he, he's only fit enough for the bench and he actually hoped that he didn't have to use him. And, you know, seven minutes into the game, your sentiment going off is is not ideal. I think he I think he had a bit of a easier time in central midfield than he maybe would have done as a wing back. They were, York were marking us man for man and, you know, playing quite high aggressive football, you know, if if when they're on the attack. And I think realistically an injured Bennett was the last thing we needed against a York City side, two divisions blowers in an FA Cup first round. I think we've got to think more long term with such a threadbare squad. And, you know, if 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 we're thinking about putting Bennett at wing back for that, he's running his running his arse off, you know, hoping not to to extend his injury anymore. So I think maybe he gave him the central mid role. At least he's got cover there from sort of Lee and Bayless if possible. So I think that was why. Yep, I yeah, totally agree with that. I think it was a sensible, sensible suggestion. And um, yeah, as you said, pre-match, you didn't want to really play Bennett too much either. Um, in terms of um, the game, um, I was yeah chatting to Nathan. I thought, game's kicked off. I'll just get back get it back to my seat so I don't miss any of the action. Sat down probably for about 10 seconds, said hello to you, Callum. And then, yeah, saw, did see the attack, unfortunately. But 70 seconds in, um, long ball forward to Sadie, who has loads of time and space. Big mistake from the York defence. He lays it off to Bailey. He runs to the byline. He crosses to the back of the net. And Shipley taps home. And, um, yeah, Chris, fair to say that this was um, probably the worst possible start Askey could ever have imagined. Yeah, and the best possible start we could have imagined, really, isn't it? You know, it's just what you want, an early goal in a cup tie where you're probably on a hiding to nothing. If we win, we're expected to win. If we lose, we're one of the first games on match of the day or whatever it is these days that shows the highlights of the FA Cup. But it's not, you know, getting 1-0 up early in the game just settled us down a little bit. And good to see Jordan Shipley making that run as well. I think Callum was talking a minute or two ago about the impact he's made at left wing back. And 
he's actually done really well there. I think he's scored a couple of goals since switching into that position, hasn't he? And this one, he's done it by coming right into the middle and making a run to the back post. And in the end, it's an easy tap in for him, but he's got to put himself there. And, you know, I doubt there's too many wing backs who, especially coming from the left side, who would have found themselves in that position. And I think it's, that's that understanding he's got with Tom Bayliss again, the two of them just linking up there really nicely and ends up being an easy goal. But we cut through them really easily. And it was a bit of a theme in the first half, to be honest. York seemed to basically gift us the middle of the park they allowed us to run at them time after time and they were backing off and it was making it uh, we well, we'll come on to it I'm sure but we could have had a few goals in the first half that weren't too dissimilar to the one we actually did get right at the start but yeah strong start and just what we needed yeah just what we needed um, obviously playing a non-league side at home as you those who have seen the results there was quite a few surprises across the division um, yeah, Plymouth lost five one. Yeah, our church when Plymouth um, lost five one to Grimsby. Obviously not a non league side, but you got um, um, Lincoln City went out, Cheltenham went out. There's yeah, quite a lot of teams went out in the first round. And interestingly, actually, Callum, I, I don't know about you. I think I mentioned to you at the game when a Steve Cottrell side against a non league team, I don't fear as much as I used to. I don't know why, but there's something about Steve Cottrell that when we play non league sides, I don't know. I always feel like we're going to go into the game well prepared. Yeah, I get that completely. I mean, you know, I, Steve's been around the game, you know, at, at a very high competitive level for for a long time now, and he's he's been at every level as well. He he knows he knows the leagues inside and out. I just think he 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 doesn't need any potential banana skins at the moment, as as a lot of managers don't. Um, it's very hard to keep your job nowadays in 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 football, and especially when. Even how we've been performing quite on and off, it's fair to say, um, with a threadbare squad, he's done a fantastic job. But um, all it takes is a couple of dodgy results for fans to turn and and you know have their say, and and it, it can start proving off some negative energy. And I think we what we've seen from the past with Steve as well is if negative energy protrudes from the club, it, it it does affect it does affect all the players and it does affect the management team, and and they're not going to be as you know as 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 happy with everything if 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 the fans aren't behind them. I think he looks at he looks at games definitely in depth. He knew exactly how York were going to play. Um he was very frustrated with with the result, even though we won two one. He's very frustrated with the fact it could have been six or seven. And I think these sorts of teams where that he plays against, he doesn't take anything for granted. He knows about the FA Cup. He knows how how you know, as Chris just said, Alvachurch, you know, unbelievable result, 2-1 away from home. Uh, you know, it's dream stuff. And, and this is what clubs like this in the FA Cup dream of. And York, who might not be as big as they used to be, but, you know, obviously still with a with a nice fan base behind them. Good club, obviously well run. But they, they really needed that. And uh, they really could have done with the result. And I think Steve prepared for the game well and the team did and got a good result in the end got to say I've never really feared these non-league sides at home in the FA Cup as a Shrewsbury fan you know I know in the last few years we've had some horrible results we've lost to the likes of Blythe Spartans and Histon but those were away games and I think at home and I can only think in the last 15-20 years I can think of stains that we lost at home too possibly but apart from that we've had you know they've they're games where we tend to score a few goals and, and they're a bit of fun I just enjoy seeing different sides you know I'm old enough that I was in the game meadow when we stuck 11 past Marine once which is you know still remains one of my my happy memories of watching town absolutely stuff someone and we've had a few good games like that over the years where we scored a few goals and it's just yeah it's fun I, I like I like these games against non-league teams so I was really pleased
pleased with the draw. You know, a conference side that we should beat. A decent one as well in York City. So it was a game I was always looking forward to. And if anything, you know, I'd have liked a few more goals. But I enjoyed most of it on Saturday. I liked these games. And I was never that anxious that we were going to lose. I think history, I remember going, you're right, away games. Didn't we lose at home to Histon? Wasn't that a, a, a big... No, a big... Histon was definitely away from home. Was Histon away uh, from the home? The one I can think of at home was possibly Staines. Okay, Staines. I remember it was, was one. 2007 or yeah, something. Yeah, this is where we need Glenn with his encyclopedic memory of Shrewsbury Town results, especially bad ones. Um, but yeah, in terms, I just yeah, you feel you fear um, a slip up, and it's always a bit embarrassing. But it's good to get through to the next round, as we said. Back to the action. Um, seven minutes in, unfortunately, Winchester goes off. Um, Bennett comes in, plays in central midfield. I think does a good job there as well. Um, and then yeah, I'd say after this, for the rest of the half until the very, very end of the half, Shrewsbury were absolutely dominant. I thought it was interesting the way that York defended against us. When we got the ball, tried to play at the back, they completely man-marked us. That meant that we really, really struggled to kind of find a ball. Went a bit long, sometimes defenders driving forward us. When we got the chance, midfielders driving forward as well. And we, we created a lot of chances. And one of those chances um, fell to Pike. Literally just a midfielder just got free. Um, Pike got in behind. And he has an opportunity to score. And I think it's fair to say, Callum, he really should have scored that chance just before 20 minutes. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's it's a, it's an absolute setter. Um, he's he's going to be ruining that, isn't he? And it just shows a striker with a lack of confidence at the moment. I think it's it's really difficult with Pike because last season, we, nobody would have minded if he'd have gone. Nobody would have minded if, you know, this was, this was you know, his goodbye at the end of last season. And then this season, he's been given a bit more freedom been given a bit more of a chance certainly pre-season start of the season and he starts to come on form and and you know if, if the town fans get behind him they, they think is this a completely different player he's, he's playing a bit with a bit more confidence albeit not getting as many goals as he want but he seems to be playing with more confidence he was getting involved with the squad and I don't know it's just the last five or six five or six games I've seen him in it, it just it seems to have lost all that confidence again and I definitely shows him front of goal I mean he he didn't look like I as soon as I saw him go for it it didn't look like it was going in it had to but it didn't look like it was and I was really disappointed with that but it's just it's just he just needs he just needs this and these are the sorts of games which you'd be expecting him to bury those chances in and you know prove that he's is worth with a you know sketchy striker situation at the club at the moment so disappointing for him should have gone in front. Yeah, I agree with Callum. Uh, it's definitely a chance that Pike should have stuck away. And he's a player you can see really needs a goal. He had two or three chances actually on Saturday and he'll be frustrated. He's had that one goal at Forest Green, but for all his improvement like he's showing this season, the goals haven't come for him. And he's probably thinking home game against a side like this, who are going to create more chances against. Surely today's the day I can get one or two and, you know, maybe get myself up and running again. And it just didn't happen for him. He looked nervous. So I, I felt for him really. But I actually, I thought there was a lot that was good about what we did in that first half. I thought we were trying to play more expansively. I thought we were trying to knock the ball about, showed a bit of confidence on the ball that we don't always do. You know, that's we're not the kind of side where you can say we're a fluent passing team. And I thought maybe with the opposition as they were, it just gave the players a bit more license to try things that they wouldn't normally. And sometimes, if anything, I thought we were guilty of trying a pass too many. There were a number of times where you get in the box and you think the player's in a great position to have a shot and he, he's trying another pass. And just try, it's almost like we were trying to walk the ball in. And that was frustrating, but 
I guess I, I was pleased to see that the side were playing in, in, in that style of football. And I thought we certainly deserved our halftime lead. I thought we deserved the second that we finally got. We'll talk more about that in a minute, I'm sure. And I was hoping we'd kick on in the second half. And again, that just unfortunately that didn't happen. But I thought there were things there that we can certainly be pleased about in that first 45. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. I, I think it is. I found it difficult in the first half because we've got so much more we could have offered you know against York in that first half I mean realistically if this was if this was a league game against opposition you know of this standard um which and I have seen some we have seen some teams this season you know that that are at the standard that York were probably at but we you know they were opening up so many gaps as as Ollie touched on you know the man marking side of things but the gaps that were opening up in the middle of the pitch it's, it's just where you want to see players stride into those gaps and you know and and form form some space to get the ball and I, I don't think I don't think we had that I think the first half was obviously better than the second but I you know we're not utilizing that space enough and I think it was difficult with Winchester going off early you know I, I think he has really impressed me recently and he is somebody who I'd like to see occupy those sorts of gaps in the middle of the pitch. But, you know, I think we could have, we could have had at them a lot more. And I think it would have been a lot more comfortable, maybe, you know, going in three or four at the break. I think it's, it's difficult with such a threadbare squad to, 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 you know, try and be, maybe play a little bit conservatively um, in terms of trying not to push ourselves right to the very limit. But with, I think, just think going in three or four at the break might have given us a bit more of an opportunity to see a bit more of the team from the bench, maybe. And, you know, uh, iron it out early, but I felt we were in second or third gear, Callum. I don't know what you thought, but I thought in that first half it felt like we were, apart from the first ten minutes, where actually they did all right. But after that, it felt like we were in control of the game without really giving it our all, and there was there was more to come. And I guess uh, I was hoping in the second half we might just go through those gears a little bit, you know, maybe get into fourth or fifth gear. But unfortunately for us, it felt like the car stalled instead. But it was a, I, like I say, yeah, I, I felt like we were in control comfortably. And if we'd just got the goals that that domination deserved, as you say, it could have been very comfortable. Certainly, I don't think anyone could have questioned if we were three or four up at the break. Not at all. I t- yeah, I totally agree with everything you guys have said. Um, there's an opportunity 42 minutes in, 1 2 with Bayless and Sadie. And Sadie should have scored. I remember tweeting at that point, we should be four up by then. We're getting now near near the end um, of the half. Um, Flanagan, um, who drives forward, I thought he had a good game doing that in terms of driving forward um, into all that space. He goes into the box. Terrible tackle from the defender of York. And yeah, goes down the box, clear penalty. He tried to claim it was outside the box. Referee was not having any of it. Um, Leahy picks up the ball. Um, um, at this point, he's got he's changed his shirt because he got elbowed in the face. And he basically strolls up, puts the ball in the back of the net, sending the goalkeeper the other way. And yeah, 2-0 up. You think happy days. You think, no, this is hard. This is going to go at half time now. Perfect. with a perfect score. But it wasn't the end. York were going to come back. So they basically run down the left-hand side, cross the ball from the byline. Dunkley gets caught under the ball. Striker comes flying in, um, headers into the back of the net. Good goal from your perspective. Callum, do you think Dunkley could have done better there, or is it just one of those situations where it's hard to defend against? Uh, it's one of those. I think it's a bit difficult. I think it was actually a really well-worked goal from York. Um, I'm not sure he could do much more there, you know, in hindsight, perhaps. But um, I think in the time that it was, I think he's, it, you know, they, they've worked that goal really well. It did seem like, you know, quite a professional goal. I, I couldn't find much flaw with it. Um, look, if you look back on it, slow it down, you might say something different. But I think credit to York from for for picking themselves up and and getting themselves back in the game from that perspective. Um, certainly, in terms of the penalty, 
you know, it's something I want to see more of in terms of the back three and in terms of stepping out from the back. You've seen, you know, the gaps that they opened up in the middle of the pitch. I want, you want to see people like Dunkley and, well, you know, certainly Pennington and, and Flanagan playing on either side. I think Pennington's very good at it in terms of, um, you know, carrying the ball forwards. It, whether he passes it on from there is, is, is you know, <laughs> sometimes 50-50. But I, I think that's something that, we need to adapt in our game as well. Playing three at the back um, is potentially, you know, having a bit more confidence in our back three in terms of playing with the ball. I think sometimes we think a bit too much about the long game and, you know, as as, as often helpful as channel balls can be, if you play in that sort of formation, it's not always going to work. Um, and certainly Flanagan in this perspective, you know, very high up the pitch, fantastic drive into the box and, you know, clip. And I think Lee said in his... Um, Post interview, uh, he'd been practicing penalties, so very good for that. He, it was a superb penalty to put it away. But I, you know, credit to York for bringing themselves back into the game. Um, I, I think they did, they they deserve the goal from the move that they created from that, and fair play to them. I thought it was a really good goal myself, actually. I thought a decent cross for because the ball looked like it was going out for a goal kick at one point. He did well to keep it in and then deliver a really decent cross. And Dooku, a good Star Wars name there, wasn't he? He had the force with him for that one. He got across them and a real powerful header into the bottom corner. I was, I was impressed. I thought it was a good goal from York and probably had a lot of bearing on what we saw in that second half because at 2-0, their heads are down. They're probably thinking, oh, that's us dead and buried. We're probably thinking, oh, this is this is going to be a stroll now. And suddenly they get, they've gone in at halftime with their tails up and thinking, yeah, OK, you know, we've been outplayed for big portions of this game, but there's only one in it. We've got a chance here, lads. So, yeah, it really changed, I suppose, the feel of the game at the break and probably made John Askey's halftime team talk a lot easier. Do you think, some, I heard some people around us criticising Dunkley. I thought I personally thought that was a bit harsh, but do you think he should have done better? Yeah. So my opinion, I mean, I can only go on my, my reactions at the time of watching the goal. I've not seen it back, but what I saw live, I just thought good goal, to be honest. I thought it was a brave header. I thought Dooku got, I, I think he got, almost got under him, didn't he? And he, and he got, he, it's not just that he got his head to it, it's the power. He gave Morosi no chance into the ball. Yeah, he came corner. flying I in. it was an excellent goal. I, I, I'm not going to blame Dunkley, although, you know, I, I reserve the judgment if I get to watch it back and maybe I'll think differently. No, I've watched it back a few times. I, I thought it was, I thought it was um, a good header um, and just one of those, yeah, situations where you, you, know, you can't defend everything. So, yeah, when in a half time, 2 1, not exactly the scoreline that we'd hoped for. Very, very frustrating. Easily could have been four goals um, to the good there. Um, but yeah, um, second half starts. And I think it's fair to say that we started the poor, the half poorly. That continued throughout the game. But we still created chances, Chris. You know, we still could have scored. There was that opportunity where Leahy gets the ball in the box um, after a really nice pass from Bayliss. He crosses it into the ball to Pike. And yeah, interesting tweet um, came from Mike. Uh, Mike Price has obviously been on the podcast loads of times. He um, screen grabbed my tweet and the club's tweet, where the club was a little bit kinder to Pike. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a good chance, and he, he'll be kicking himself again. It's it's, it's kind of a repeat, of, a wash and repeat of what I said about his first half chance. He's just he just needs a goal, and again he gets the sight of goal, and you you can almost feel the panic going through him. Got a got a score, got a score, got a score. Shit, and that's kind of what was there panic? There. I don't know. What do you thought? I thought he was. Oh my, just watching it, it almost seemed lazy. He hadn't had any confidence at all. It was very odd. Leahy was not very impressed, that's for sure. No, it really is just, I think it's just, it's got to be a lack of confidence at the moment. And you're confident, your lack of confidence is going to drive your lack of, you know, motivation to be, to be getting on the end of these chances. It's got to, because 
I can't understand how he's missed. <laughs> it's what it's one of those it's one of those where if we don't bury our chances against teams like this, you know, it, it, it's lucky it didn't, but it could come back to bite us, and it certainly has and will do in the league um, for the rest of the season if we can't put away some of these chances. And I think as we'll as we'll touch on a little bit later in terms of the strike force, you know, there's there's quite a few strikers that need a goal. Um, but in my opinion, Pike is very much top of the list. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Callum. It's, it, Pike is desperate to get a goal. And talking of other strikers as well, so yeah, 60 minutes or so, um, not a surprise really. Um, both strikers have changed. Um, on comes Street and Bowman. Opportunity for those two to kind of get on get in the mix. Long ball up to up to Street, it comes down to him. Um, a good op- Another good opportunity wasted. And yeah, we had a couple of other chances as the half went on, um, but... I don't know, just on this in terms of our style of play, the fans were getting on the back of the players at this point, Chris. You know, we were it was we were struggling to find a man and then I thought there was a lack of runners. Um, there's a lot of issues. What was you what was your kind of view of what was going wrong in, in this half? It had gone flat. I think there's a comment, a few things here, aren't there? So one, to be fair to York, they'd raised their game. This is a they, you know, this is a big day for them. They they're chasing the game, they're trying to get back into it. They were carrying us, closing us down, making it difficult. And our players just didn't seem to have the the heart or desire on this occasion to actually rise to that challenge. They were rather allowing York to get in their faces. Having said that, for all that York did push and harry us, I don't remember Morosi having to do anything of substance during that second half. He's, I think our defence looked comfortable. They never really looked like breaking us down. And on the one or two rare occasions that we did seem to raise our game, like you said, we're the sides that actually created the chances. So you've mentioned that Pike one. Rob Street had a shot that was blocked. You know, it was goal bound effort, and he was, you know, he's another one who's desperate to get that first goal because he had a long, he had a lone spell last year at Newport where he didn't score. He's come here and he's impressed. I think a few of us have been impressed by Rob Street, but he hasn't got the goals to go with it. So he'll feel frustrated again that this was another chance gone begging. And then later on, we had Luke Lee. He could have had a second as well, didn't he, with a blocked effort? So those are the chances that I remember in the second half. I remember Pike, Street, Leahy. I don't remember York actually really threatening our goal all that much. So it was a strange game. We, a strange second half. It wasn't a great watch. It was quite flat. Uh, I had my son and one of his one of his friends from his his team with him who was coming to his first Shrewsbury game with us. And you could see in the second half, his mate especially, because he's not really a Shrewsbury fan, he was kind of losing interest because there, there wasn't much on the pitch to keep him enthused and it was that kind of game I think they'd they were losing the crowd a little bit there wasn't much to keep us excited I think it's difficult my dad's always said one of the what one of the things with Shrewsbury Town that he notices is that you know uh, that for one half that we are the better side we're usually not the better side in the other half and I think it's really difficult with with you know a York side who were obviously you know 2-1 down but obviously got a late goal in the first half and, and you know it, it would have been a it would have been an intense talk from John Askey, you know, um, G in them up for this second half. But we, it's just a game, a game of missed chances, really. I, I, I agree with you, Chris. I, I, I can't remember Morosi, apart from a one-on-one, I think it was in the first half. I can't remember him doing much more than that. Um, it, 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 it wasn't a game where York seemed to threaten. However, didn't I, we did, I, didn't, I certainly didn't feel too comfortable, you know, in the second half especially, um, we're missing all these missed opportunities, and uh, streets streets really impressed me actually since since coming in. I think it's good, it's a good loan addition for us. I think he's, he's a young striker. He's clearly very keen. He's got quite a good work ethic, but obviously, you know, it, it's very difficult to get a striker at this level that's proven to score goals. But I think it, it could come for him certainly, um, especially with 
you know, the additions that we've had with Bayliss and, and Shipley in terms of creativity, if we're creating chances for him, he's got to, he's got to put them away. And, you know, now's his best time to do it with, with our striker situation as we speak. But um, I certainly didn't feel too comfortable in the second half, but, uh, you know, eked it out in the end to get the result. I've got to pick you up on one thing there, Callum. You, an intense half-time team talk from John Askey. After about three months of listening to him talking <laughs> through his I just can't imagine an intense team talk from John Askey. I just, I just can't see it. Uh, I'm, sure is... he, I'm sure he got into them, but intense or I just don't know. I can't imagine him shouting. Yeah, or... but okay. Maybe Callum meant intense for John Askey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll go with that. Let's go with that. <laughs> it's an interesting point, actually. I'm really that's a really beautiful tangent though. I wanted us to go off a bit of a tangent here about John Askey. And I've I feel and I've seen a bit on Twitter, um, I did have a look on the Blue and Amber fanzines as well, um, the Blue and Amber family, Blue and Amber message group uh, to see what their thoughts on John Askey was. And I saw a trend about how the fans got him sacked and he was hard done by and all that stuff. And I often think in these situations, sometimes people have blue and amber tinted glasses on some of these things. And yeah, I think people have forgotten how truly awful we were. We we looked to shambles. There was rumours about training being unprofessional after Paul Hurst. Yes, he did have a tough wicket in terms of coming in, he, but he did sign some good players, didn't he? That's, that's another thing to say. But that squad had some really good pros in it. And... I for for I do not think for a second. I don't know what your view on this is, Chris. I don't think for a second that the fans can get a manager sacked. I think performances, results, and the players can get a manager sacked, but not the fans. So I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here, Ollie. I will say what I'll say for John Askey is he was sacked when we were what 17th, 18th. It was one of the two. It's not like we were in the relegation zone. We weren't rock bottom, and we were actually in roughly the position that we've been in ever since until this season. And his results were no worse than uh, Sam Ricketts's that followed in the next two or three years. And I would say that his football, I mean, again, I'd have to, I can't remember. My memory tells me that even though the results weren't there and we weren't playing brilliantly, the football was actually better than what we, what came under Sam Ricketts. That's what I remember. And I do think that he was on a bit of a hiding to nothing follow, following Paul Hurst because expectations had been raised so much. We'd just finished third and suddenly 17th in League One felt not good enough for us. Whereas a couple of years later, that, that's, that had been rebalanced again. I don't think ASCII helped himself because he was so dull. I mean, when that guy was appointed, his very first interview was probably the worst interview I've ever heard from a football manager. I remember thinking, he, he, he talked us down. He just seemed to have yeah. no belief. He should have been deleted. In his own ability. I'm sorry, but it should have been deleted and he should have had a second run in it. That should never, ever have been released to the public. Yeah, that's probably. I think some of it was probably live on Radio Shropshire or something. I don't know, but it was it was awful. I just remember thinking, I, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing because when we appointed him, before I'd listened to him, you, you think we'd gone down the Paul Hurst mould. We'd taken a bit of a gamble on. He just won the conference with Macclesfield, which was one hell of an achievement. And you think, all right, it's it's a bit of a gamble, but we're giving a, we're giving the job to somebody we're, who's, who's coming in confident, having just done well. And yet, listening to him talk, you got the feeling he he didn't know if he'd made the right decision. You you didn't sound like he was sure he wanted to be here. Uh, I think there were issues at Macclesfield at the time, and he, I think he felt he had to move on, and this was the job he was being offered. But <laughs> You just wonder if he really wanted the job or or felt that he wasn't going to be in a difficult position. I will, yeah. In terms of style of play, he did try to play good football. I'll give him credit for that. But a game that really, really sticks in my memory was playing away at Fleetwood against 
I believe Joe Barton was a new manager then, a young manager, and he absolutely scored us from a tactical point of view, and we were utterly abysmal. I remember Wes Byrne just burning us for the entire game, and we were playing like 4-4-2, then we changed something else, and, and it always seemed like he was about five five steps behind Joe Barton. So yeah, that's my overriding memory. What's your kind of memory of the, the John Askey era, Callum? Yeah, you know, it wasn't pleasant. Um I, I can't I can't remember ever feeling very enthralled by anything. I, I think I remember, you know, the stats weren't the stats weren't great. I think he won one in four, you know, the equivalent of one in four games or something like that. It was, you know, only one it picked up three or four, maybe even five wins, but it was it, it certainly wasn't many. And I think it, the difficulty was he came off the back of, you know, a Paul Hurst era, which some young fans, certainly, you know, around my age sort of say it was one of the best eras they've had um, in terms of supporting Shrewsbury Town. I think we've seen players, you know, under Paul Hurst, you know, Dean Henderson, uh, John Nolan, uh, Toto, you know, players who at that time were were, were absolutely super. Ben Godfrey, <laughs> who were absolutely superb at that time. We've now gone on to bigger and better things, and I think it was it was always going to be very difficult for Askey to, to to come through after losing all those players into a into a squad with you know which we really didn't fill those gaps in any way shape. We didn't form. expect it to be repeated, though. Do you think no. they expected us to repeat the, the feats of the Paul Hurst season? No, because it's one of those, isn't it? I mean, I don't think you, you can't, can you? I mean, that was a wonder season. It's it's the same as asking Leicester to win the Premier League again. Like you, you weren't. Nobody was expecting Leicester to win the Premier League again, and it, we had a dream season, uh, which you know uh, uh, we had, you know, a, a superb, superb sort of display of football throughout the whole season. It was really attractive football. Um, I, I just wanted. It's really difficult for Askey. I, I can't. I can't speak too highly of him because our results didn't go our way. But also, the football wasn't attractive. But I think he was. He was left with a bit of maybe. I think I can't remember if it was Stuart Dunn or maybe it was Nick South who said at the time it was a poison chalice, and that was you know he was taking on a poison chalice. And I think I, I do understand that because it is difficult coming off such a good season to. To, to be able to take over from that. But, uh, you know, at the same time, we've had, you know, a couple of matches here and go. Um, certainly the football isn't as attractive as it used to be, but, you know, at the moment we're getting the results we need. Um, back to the game. Um, I think it's fair to say Shrews Town were pretty abysmal, as we've said again. Um, Moore was done like a kipper, a right wing back, which is a bit of a risk maybe with, someone, with him playing there. Um, he, you know, in terms of jockeying, it wasn't the best. And then Bowman and Bloxham came on and well, obviously Bloxham came on as well. He was playing in the number ten, and then we kind of shifted it around. And I thought both of them looked desperate and really, I don't know, trying too hard almost. There was one attack where both of them were involved, and it fell apart, and it just didn't look very good, Chris. And I don't know, both of them seem like players that are out of confidence at the moment. Yeah, I think, well, we've talked about Bloxham last time I was on here, actually, haven't we? You know, he's, 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 things have gone backwards for him a little bit this season. He probably feels frustrated and he would love a goal or two just to uh, remind the manager and the supporters what he can do. And then you've got someone like Ryan Bowman, who's over the last few years, first at Exeter and then with us, has been used to basically being one of the first names on the team sheet week in, week out. And suddenly this year, he's a regular sub. He's struggling to get in the side. He's struggling to make an impact. And again, it probably just puts you on edge a little bit more. It's, it's, he's in the last year of his contract, I think. So you, you start to get a bit anxious when you're not playing. And he looks like a player who needs, who's, you know, as I said, yeah, used to playing week in, week out. So as, 
even last season at Shrewsbury, if he goes two or three games without a goal, you still think, well, he's going to be in the site next week. And eventually the goals came and he ended up getting, what was it, 13 for the season or something, which was not a bad haul in his first season in League One. But this year, he re- probably feels the pressure to score every time he's on the pitch, because if he doesn't, he's back on the bench again, because he's suddenly not even in the first two, possibly not even first three choices now. So he's uh, he's struggling to make an impact. And yeah, you could see on Saturday, desperate for a goal, looks a bit awkward, uh, looks frustrated. So I feel for him. But yeah, he, he, at the same time, sometimes in those situations, the only thing you can do is, you know, as a striker, he, he's paid to score goals. And it's one of those games against a non-league side. All of them are probably thinking, if we don't score today, you know, when am I going to score? Who, where, where's the chance going to come? Yeah, no, I agree with that. And in terms of scoring, uh, we had a chance again. Lee he has a shot in in the six-yard box and nearly scored again. That was the 90th minute. So very, very frustrating second half. Could have scored more. Um, but in terms of in terms of the game, got the result against again. Avoided the banana slip. And yeah, very happy to get into the next round of the FA Cup and the draw should be 7pm on Monday night. So in terms of top three, um, Callum, who did you go for? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think realistically these top three are going to be, you know, there most of the, most of the season for me. Um, Tom Bayliss, uh, Luke Lee and Jordan Shipley. Um, personally, in my opinion, are three, are three most creative players. Um, certainly... I think the additions of Bayliss and Shipley are incredible, but also Lee just seems so much more of a leader now. Um, I think he was edging for the captaincy, you know, towards the end of last season. Um, I think it has been, it is very difficult for Lee. He, well, actually, Ed Shipley playing in these positions, which which I don't think Steve Cottrell really wants wants them to play in, but actually adapting really well. Um, certainly, Luke Lee has been a superb addition um, to the to the side this season, and I think will these three players their link up play it, all the three of them is superb. Lee's work rate is unbelievable. Um, certainly, from Tom Bayliss, he he just brings that extra spark. I think we talked a lot last season about missing a, a number ten, missing missing a creative, really creative player in the middle of the park, and I think he brings that. We need to give him the ball as much as possible because the likelihood is he'll he'll create something from that. And as as I said, you know, earlier in the in the in the pod, I think you know certainly Chris, I think uh, Jordan Shipley has been a, a superb addition in in wing back and good cover for George Nurse, unfortunately suffering that injury. So all three of those I think deserve my top three. Yeah, I'd agree with all of that to be honest, Callum. I think my top three was not that different to yours. I've got uh, Bayliss in third place in my list. Thought a decent game. I've got Elliot Bennett in second place. I thought actually coming on in midfield, he. He gave a bit of grip to things, actually, even though he scored really early. I thought York could, in that first five or six, five or ten minutes, were, were doing all right and had responded well to our early goal. And I thought Bennett was a big part of uh, really turning that first half in our favour. And I thought he had a decent game. And I like seeing him in midfield. I know we see more of him at right wing back, but every time he plays in the centre of the park, he always looks assured to me and I really enjoy him as a footballer to watch in that position and my number one yesterday was you also mentioned highly Luke Leahy he had an excellent game as well I thought Leahy was all over the place on the pitch obviously he scored his penalty could have had another one late on just an all right an all-round leader on the pitch and uh, he looks a class apart at times and he's, he's an excellent player and not I just love watching him play football so yeah I enjoyed Luke Leahy on Saturday and those are my three and Shipley who you mentioned hasn't quite made my top three but he would probably have been fourth so I think I, I'm not that far apart from what you're saying basically the same players it was tough sometimes you do have a game like this and it's tough to pick a top three I'd agree with everything what you guys have said I went for for Bayless Leahy and Bennett Bennett is just class isn't it I, was, I really wanted him to play right wing back because they get the ball in the box 
but everything he does is just with a touch of class and he always makes the right decision. He's always fully aware of what's going on. Yeah, it's, if Bennett's, Bennett's fit for the rest of the season, that will definitely help us. Um, and also, he's one of those players that definitely builds relationships with players. You know, he had a really good relationship with, with Vela. Want to see Bellet in the team, want to see Winchester in the team, want to see those guys build a bit of a partnership on the right-hand side, which would I think would be really fantastic. So what did the manager say? He said, we're through. Um, you could clearly visibly see he was not very impressed. He said, we could have taken our chances. It could have been six or seven. We don't take our chances and you end up being a bit nervous. I think it's fair to say during that half, second half, there was a bit of a fear in, in the stands that we, you know, we could concede and it was going to be a draw and maybe a replay, uh, maybe even worse. But yeah, there's definitely that kind of nervous edge to the game. He said, um, yeah, he said basically the game should have been out of sight um, and he's, he hadn't seen the results, he said, but he said there's guarantees there would be shocks and the gaffer was right, there was shocks. Um, he said, thank you, we're through to the next round and we've got the crowd, we've got the prize money, hopefully we can get a good second round and obviously, you know, as all clubs of our size want to get that good um, away or home tie in the third round. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed we can get a, we can get a good a good a good draw in the second round. It'd be interesting to see who we get. And, and as Callum mentioned, he talked about Bennett. Um, I agree with what Callum said. You know, he said he didn't want to play Bennett at all. But obviously, when Winchester Winchester came off, um, he had to bring him on. Um, lack of options on the bench. It's, it's going to be interesting this week with the with the two games coming up. Who we're going to play. So yeah, that was the game. We won. It was good good to get the win. Good to see a couple of goals at home as well, Chris. Um, any final comments, you guys, before, before we kind of move on to this little bit of discussion about strikers? Yeah, Ollie, I agree entirely. The main thing was getting through, wasn't it? We've done that, and it's just nice to be in that second round draw. And uh, I think by the time people are listening to this, I don't think that draw will have taken place quite yet. So fingers crossed we get a good, a good another good draw. I'd be happy with another non-league side at home. You know, I'd be, I'd be happy with Olverchurch, frankly. Uh, and I'm sure we could do a better job than Cheltenham and uh, get ourselves a third round tie against a big gun again. But there's some big sides in there. You know, Wrexham are in the hat. They've won. They've beaten Oldham. And so Shrewsbury-Wrexham is still a possibility, I suppose. Personally, I don't want that one, to be honest. I could do without that. But... Otherwise, uh, yeah, I just hope we get a good draw and get into that third round. We've done well in recent years in this competition. You know, you think about the number of Premier League sides we've managed to play in recent times, Liverpool twice and, you know, some big games. So let's hope that there's another one in store for us in a few weeks' time. Yeah, absolutely echo that. Um, I think it, it's very... I, I've always a bit torn in the FA Cup whether I want, you know, a really big club away or whether I want, you know, a small club at home or a small club away, somewhere you've never been to before. I'd love to go to Overchurch. That'd be a good laugh. Um, but it's, you know, it's one of those where it's a balance between what you want to see, who you want to play, who you want to beat, but also, as as Cottrell's put, you know, about prize money and things, you know, it is massive to a club like us and also, you know, clubs at the moment in terms of everything that's going on and, and you know, money being at an all-time low at the moment in terms of lower league football, um, I think it really is, it really is a good opportunity for us to progress and, you know, I love the magic of the FA Cup, I think everybody does, but... Uh, you know, I'd like to see us go a bit further, so maybe a couple more easy games might be good for us. Yeah, fingers crossed we can get a good draw. So yeah, that draw should be a busy one um, at 7pm on Monday. Um, I think we're number 19, actually. I remember the club tweeting that out. I'll tweet that out again. So, yeah, that was the game. Um, and now let's have a little chat about strikers. <laughs> Well, this is the ever the ever growing chat um, with you know what's going to happen this this season with our strike force, and I think we have never you know we we've, we can't be as unlucky as we have in terms of Daniel Udo. I mean, 
this was a really good opportunity for him this season. Um, and it's so sad for him because I think he'd be racking goals in for fun at the moment. I certainly think with, you know, Shipley and Bayliss and how they're progressing and, and Lee, I think, you know, even Sadie would have been a perfect strike partner for him. I think we're missing out big time on that. I think realistically, if we've got a striker like Daniel Udo um, playing at the moment, um, you know, we're certainly, you know, top of the playoffs, I think. I think, you know, I think that's a big call to make, but uh, he is a really big player to be missing. And his energy and his work rate brings so much to a game in League One. And, and it is really upsetting. I think this, I think we spoke about, obviously, options outside of Udo. I, I, we're all going to have different opinions on this, I think. Um, personally, my opinion is Sadie and Street at the moment. I think Street deserves a bit more game time. I think he, despite him maybe not showing as much in front of Galway, it's, it's hard to say because as anyone. So, but I think he he just he has that desire, he has that hunger for me, he has that hunger to impress, and I think I think that's something that's going to be key. Um, obviously, O'Brien hasn't done you know particularly well with injuries. He's still recovering quite a lot. Hadn't played much minutes, and I think you know as as he maybe starts to get back into the team, we'll see how he gets on. He's obviously. You know, he has been proven at a level um, where he has been really useful to a lot of clubs. So I think it's really interesting for me. I don't know what you think, Chris, but it's really interesting for me. Ryan Bowman, I think you touched on it earlier, you know, maybe looking third or even fourth choice striker at the moment, which which seems, you know, crazy. You would have said that's crazy given given his record. And actually, you know, his, his he looks quite he looked quite comfortable. I think when he first came to the club in front of goal, he, he's a good number nine. He held the ball up well. I think you know he's clever. Um, I think it's just it's just that killer instinct for me. Yeah, I mean, I, as you say, I touched on it earlier. I, I feel with Ryan Bowman that dropping to third or fourth choice has probably impacted him. You know, he's, he hasn't got that time. He, he's, he's he's under pressure to make an impact every time he's on the pitch, and it's not something he's been used to over the last few years where he's been a regular starter and a foot one of the first picks for the manager so he's definitely struggling at the minute and we've got so many strikers haven't we you know we there's always been this argument that we're short of strikers we got five or six of them in the squad but yeah they it just needs one or two of them to take the ball by the horn score a few goals and say you know this place is mine because right now not one of them has nailed down a spot and could say i'm absolutely guaranteed to play week in week out because they haven't scored the goals to justify that you know, Ollie shared some stats with us to prepare for this pod, and I was just looking at them now. And based on the data right now, the players who should have scored the most goals for Shrewsbury this season are Luke Leahy, Matthew Pennington, and Tom Bayliss. You know, there's not so that those are our top three in terms of creating chances for themselves, and not, none of them are a striker. So uh, that's interesting in itself, it says to me. I mean, it, part of it's possibly the way we're playing this year. We've quite often played with almost one up top, and then. Uh, two to the side of them, which has often been Bayliss and sometimes Pike playing a bit wider. But you're seeing the likes of Bayliss and Shipley getting the goal-scoring chances rather than the strikers. And I suppose it doesn't matter as long as somebody's scoring. But as usual, we're still not a prolific side. So it's just one of those... It's been one of those perennial frustrations with it with Shrewsbury, hasn't it? You, you never feel like we're going to bury a side. It, it always feels like we're on the edge. You know, even York on Saturday, 2-1 going into the last couple of minutes and you're still nervous. So... Yeah, you just want you want somebody to take the ball by the horns and you know score a couple of goals, score three or four games in the row, and really say I'm the striker. Christian Sadie looked like he was going to do that. You know, he came in, really made an impact as a substitute on debut, then started a couple of games and scored in them both. But since then, you know, he's looked strong and aggressive, but he hasn't really had the goal scoring chances. He hasn't threatened the goal again. So you just need somebody to take take a grip of things. And 
I, I've got a feeling Street could do it. You mentioned him, Callum. He's impressed me as well. There's just something about him. And I just think if he gets one, maybe two, like the old London bus, others will follow because he looks like he's got something to me. But yeah, I'm just waiting for one of them to prove it one way or another. Yeah, it's 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 very frustrating. I think our strikers are not doing enough in front of goal. Um, in terms of our top scorers for the team, we've got Bayless and Shipley on three each. And then you've got Bowman, Sadie and Herb have got two. And then you've got Leahy, Dunkley, Bennett and Pike have got one each. You missed That's... Pennington with two there as well. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, Pennington. Yeah, Pennington is two. So yeah, Pennington's third on the list in terms of this number, list I've got here. And yeah, it's it's not enough. We've got seven strikers at the club, if you count Bloxham in there. So you've got Bowman, Sadie, Pike, O'Brien, Adone, Street. Yes, O'Brien has been injured. He's only played about 80 minutes or so. And also Bloxham um, has only played less than 100 minutes as well. So those guys haven't played a lot of games. I haven't counted Caton in that list. But I think it's not just about the goals. So yeah, the goals you know they've scored is not a lot. But I don't think our strikers are performing very well either. So you're talking about you know Bowman is on there to score goals. But I think he needs to do more as well. And I don't imagine that the, the, the staff are pleased with the performance from the strikers, not just from a goal-scoring point of view, but from their general play as well. Um, I think it's fair to say Sadie is the number one. Um, but I don't know, all-round play, Callum, you've seen enough from, from Bowman and Pike um, and and you maybe streak to less extent because he's, he's a youngster on loan. Yeah, it's certainly not, you know, the last few games. I think it, it has been difficult. I think Ryan Bowman's clearly got ability. Uh, uh, you know, he's definitely got the ability to, to to score goals and cause problems for defenders. And I certainly think he is he is a valued asset. Um, I think, uh, as, as Chris touched on, it, has, it is difficult in the formation we play. Certainly if we play 3-4-2-1 um, with only one striker up top, I think it, it is going to be difficult for any striker. But, you know... In terms of in terms of everyone else, I personally think Bloxham was pushed too early. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure that he, well, he's certainly not at League One level. I, I I don't know whether maybe he'd benefit from going out on loan. I think as we said with the amount of strikers we got, um, I, I don't know whether he'd maybe benefit from getting a bit more time at a lower level. I think it, it's really difficult for for our strikers this season, especially if we are going to continue with maybe playing one up top, but. You know, he came into, I came off the bench, and I think it was a really good sub, double substitution by by Cottrell on the sixty. I think it's around sixty minutes, wasn't it, to to change the, his top two and bring on the other two. I think it is it is a good change to make in a, in an in an FA Cup tie, but we can't rely on things like that in the league of changing our two strikers in sixty minutes and trying to prove something. You know, I think we, they've got to be taking their chances in front of goal. And for me, I don't think any any of them are doing enough apart from probably Sadie. Um, it is a really difficult time. Goals build confidence, but we've got to take our chances in front of goal to, to build that confidence. And and they're not doing it for me at the moment. It is a difficult position that Cottrell's got. Just touching on the formation, I don't think we've played two up front for a while, have we? So we did that experiment, didn't we? Playing um, like Shipley and Bayliss um, as kind of like two number 10s or two wingers with a striker. I don't think that worked well for Shrewsbury at all. Um, we do look better with two, two up top. Um, but yeah, not just to goals, but I just don't think the strikers are doing enough for the rest of the team. And it, I think it must be really frustrating for the midfielders that you know the lads at the top are not are not doing enough work, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure they're trying. You know, I'm not going to say anybody's not doing enough up top in terms of effort. I think the effort's there. It's just uh, you think, think you think just... Sadie and Pike were, were full guns, working hard, making runs on Saturday. I'm not convinced. 
I'm not convinced they put in enough shift, enough of a shift. It was interesting. See, I'm kind. Of, I'm never going to say our players are downing tools. No, 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 no. I never said they were downing tools. I just don't yeah. think there were. I don't. I just don't think. I just don't think there was enough effort in there. And it was something Andy Cook even mentioned on BBC Shropshire in the post-match analysis. He thought that there was a lack of runners from the from the from the strikers, and it's something I thought in the game. You know, if your back, if your central defenders are struggling to find the ball and getting booed for giving the ball away, you know, sometimes there's a two, there's two sides to that. Who's who they're going to pass to? Who's making the runs? And I just don't think the lads are doing enough up top overall. How do you change it? Because as you said, they, they, he is using the more, most of them at the minute anyway, and almost in rotation off the bench. Uh, probably the one I feel most sorry for is Bloxham, because when he does come on, it's rarely as the striker anymore. And unless the manager's just literally decided he's not a, a striker and we're not privy to those conversations. But, you know, I've, we've seen more of him playing on the right-hand side, which I believe is where he used to play as a younger teenager. And it was only really in the last couple of years he'd, he'd been converted into a striker. So whether they're switching him back again, but if not, I'd like to see more of him up top, just given a chance again. But again, you know, I've, was it recently the manager spoke about Bloxham and he basically said he's not seen enough from him in training. And you can't really argue with that. We're not the ones that are seeing what they're doing day in, day out. But right now, everyone else seems to have had a shot. You know, the one I'm looking forward to seeing is Aidan O'Brien. I think uh, Callum spoke about him a few minutes ago. I, I just hope that they can actually get the guy fit enough to play a, a, a few regular games of football because he's a signing that you looked at and thought he might not be prolific in his own right, but he, the quality he's got, he's someone who can unlock things for others. And his signing kind of reminded me, and I'm going to make myself sound really old again here, but takes me back to the 93-94 season when on the eve of the season we signed Wayne Clark and he was you know a really experienced striker who came in and he totally transformed Dean Spink as a player and Dean Spink scored 20 goals that season Wayne Clark weighed in with 12 of them so Spink looks like the main man in that pairing but I think without Clark it doesn't work and I was thinking maybe Aidan O'Brien would be our modern day Wayne Clark if you like and that's what I was hoping for and I think uh, I still think he could be if we can ever get him fit so I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that that happens but you, you just start to worry when every time he looks like he's close to fitness he apparently breaks down again so god knows when we will see him ready to play but yeah i think he's, he's the one that might make a difference yeah absolutely i, I i've i've you know I, I remember him in his millwall days but also uh, you know more recently i got a, a friend who's a sunderland fan um who, who you know has, has spoke highly of him he i don't think he made too many appearances for sunderland i think he was maybe 30 or 40 or something like that but he was he was you know uh, certainly a very experienced player who brought a lot of knowledge to the game. And, and, you know, I think he's under 30. I thought he was a lot older than he was. I thought he was mid thirties, but he's actually, I think he's under 30 and he's, but he seems so calm and level headed. And I think, you know, certainly he's somebody who I'd like to see more of. And actually realistically where we're at at the moment, I know we've touched on the fact that we've got quite a lot of strikers signed on, but it, it's anyone's game up front at the moment, you know, it, it, putting away a few chances is, is, is going to put you in the squad at the moment, because I don't think there's anybody that could be up front with Sadie that could honestly say their position is safe. And uh, I think the lack of perhaps belief that the manager might have in Ryan Bowman at the moment, who, who would be obvious, you know, up front with him, you know, certainly says it's anyone's game. So I hope we can get him back fit and he can challenge for us for a space. Under 30 Callum, he's a baby. They're all babies to me these days though. We've got a prime minister these days who's younger than me, so I, I, I think I think I see the entire <laughs> squad as babies these days. But yeah, there we go. Yeah, he's 29. You're right on that. And I know what you're saying. I think a lot of people think he's older than he actually is. Yeah, no, I agree with what you said there. You know, in terms of yeah, hopefully we can see some more from the players. 
Danado ain't going to be back, is he? And um, until next season, uh, Brian's probably our best bet at the moment, or maybe Street getting a bit of a run. Um, be interested to see, yeah, find out a little bit more why why Bloxham isn't in the team. But yeah, lots of questions I think about strikers, something to keep an eye on um, as the season season progresses. Um, looking ahead in terms of games, just closing the pod off. So we've got Oxford United on on Wednesday night at home. Should be an interesting game. It's a rare that Oxford are not doing very well, so it should be an interesting game. And then we've got a really, really tough game at home on Saturday against Barnsley. Um, so you guys both be going to those games? Yep, I'll be at both of them. Um, so I'm looking forward to that on Wednesday. Obviously, that's the rearranged game, isn't it? That was first supposed to be played just uh, uh, just after the Queen died. So that got called off for that reason. So, And no, I don't think there's any other League One games this midweek. So even though we've dropped to 14th in the table, if we win on Wednesday, we'll be back up to the dizzy heights of 8th. And, you know, it's I know it's early in the season and it shouldn't matter. But psychologically, it feels good to be able to say you're 8th in League One. So I'd be really keen to see us get that win on Wednesday and take that position back. And then, yeah. Barnsley on Saturday, another another good game, another tough game against the side who were in the championship last year. So, a couple of good games to look forward to in the next few days. Yeah, I'll be at both as well. But also, you know, yeah, definitely a couple of games to look forward to. It is going to be tough, obviously, having a Wednesday and a Saturday game. You know, with our threadbare squad, we have to manage that. But I think if if you look at those two games and you come away with maybe four points from those two games, we're in a really competitive position. And actually, you know, if if we are being realistic at where we want to achieve this season, certainly from my perspective, I want to be up there in the playoffs and and, and looking to try and achieve that. Um, Oxford aside, that's struggling at the moment. Barnsley aside, who are definitely going to be pushing for the playoffs. So, um, I think it's it's uh, certainly I'd like to see four points out of those two games, but a win would be just fantastic out of either of those. A couple of really tricky games in store, but looking forward to them both. Oxford have been a bogey side, Callum, over the last they few have. years, haven't they? We've yeah. lost to them a few times. But I tell you what, I'm feeling optimistic. I'm, I'm often on this podcast a bit of a pessimist. So I'm going to say I'm going to be optimistic tonight and I'm going to say two wins, six points, and we're going to find ourselves in a good position come the end of next week. It's going to be an interesting one for Oxford because their game this weekend was um, was cancelled as well. So they're going to be very, very fresh coming into this one. Um, and Wet Pen on a Wednesday has been an odd one as well, isn't it, in terms of, in terms of fixtures. Um, so, yeah, um, th- their last result was they drew and won all with Fleetwood. Um, and before then, um, they and they had they lost they beat sorry Bolton three three one they drew drew with Pompey they lost to Peterborough um, so yeah a bit of a mixed bag of results for them um, and they they sit us below us in the table which is which is normally the other way around is it Oxford do you normally above us in the league table so a bit of pressure on their manager. Yeah, I've certainly had a lot of very, very miserable away games at Oxford, um, certainly on some very cold, very cold evenings. And uh, I, there are always definitely a bogey side. It's not an easy, not an easy fixture at all. Um, Barnsley, obviously, you know, very big club. I think we have got to be realistic in this league. I, I, I just thought to myself then, I'm talking about us being in the playoffs in this league this season. And you think with the side that Steve Cottrell's got at the moment, and the league that as it is at the moment with such big clubs in it, you know, Sheffield Wednesday, you know, Peterborough, you know, Plymouth, Ipswich, all, all those, so Bolton, Derby. <laughs> it's crazy. You actually think about that. We are we are so small compared to these sort of massive clubs. And for us to even be thinking about getting near the playoffs is, is you know, really achievable for this season. I think if we get a top half finish, fantastic. Yeah, you just reminded me of cold at Oxford. Remember Boxing Day, Callum, when your dad was wearing that most horrendous jumper and he was absolutely freezing? I've Honestly, I, I think that's been burnt. That made its way onto the last bin fire. It was the worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen. It was and tartan, it wasn't, even, wasn't it? 
It was tartan. It was it was the most honestly awful. He's got some terrible dress sense. That's one of the worst things I've ever seen a human being wear. And it, it certainly did make it onto a. And he was wasn't something. wearing a coat, so it was it was proper Boxing Day hat, glove, coat. You know, I believe Lewis Cox would have probably worn about eight layers to that game, and your dad was there just as horrendous John. <laughs> Certainly not his finest moment at no, all. Well, he hasn't had many, but that's no. not his finest moment. Yeah, very funny. So yeah, let's let's end the podcast there. Um, Chris, um, Callum, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Really, really appreciate your contribution. Thanks. For Thanks. Having us. Always a pleasure. Enjoyed it. Cheers, guys. Yeah, just uh, just just a very quick one for me. Obviously, and um, I, I just wanted to have a quick mention that you know, absolute best wishes to, to to Glenn and his family. I know it's obviously the worst sort of circumstances, but I just wanted to, you know, send my absolute you know best wishes to them all. And you know, I'm glad to be a part of this podcast. And and thank you to Ollie as well for keeping it going. You know, absolutely superb. I know it's been a really tough time for you recently um, with everything you have got going on. So. Uh, you know, great to be chatting with your boys and, and, and thank you very much. Yeah, totally echo those thoughts. Yeah, thoughts go out to Glenn and his family. It's a yeah, really, really tough sign. I have to say it was quite emotional for me. I haven't been to the game for a few weeks and yeah, and going to the meadow thinking Glenn wasn't there and also, you know, the seats where they the, he sits was empty. So yeah, hope Glenn's okay. Our thoughts are with him and his family and um, yeah, hope, hope he gets better and yeah, ho- hopefully I'm hear from him soon. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll be back again next week.